welcome to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. Now, here's the show. Welcome to episode five of the Public Safety Drone Podcast. I'm uh, Joe Wessels, one of the hosts of the aforementioned podcast, along with my co-hosts and um, I guess part-time co-hosts. Uh, we've got Steve Schuler, Lieutenant Steve Schuler from the Blue Ash Police Department, Fire Chief Amos Johnson from the Woodlawn Fire Department. Hello. And firefighter and drone extraordinaire, Katie Thielmeyer. You're going to say hi, Katie? Hi, everybody. Hey, there you go. We picked that up. That's good. And uh, David Glenn, who we all know, too, who is um, place kludgy on the internet. We'll just say that. Is, that. is that a better way to put it? Hey, sounds good to me. Okay, that's his YouTube channel, so go check that out. It's got all kinds of great YouTube uh, videos, which are you're adding more a lot now, too, aren't you? Uh, occasionally. Yeah? <laughs> no, not enough. Not enough? Well, but hey, you know, there's, there's a lot of good information there, uh, new, upcoming, and, and lots of good uh, archived content as well, too. So uh, lots of stuff to talk about in the drone world, uh, as usual. We, we came across, as we are talking before we started recording here, um, which intrigued me, guy, you know, being the former journalist uh, as well, who was a drone pilot. Uh, and there was an, an article that was um, from uh, the NBC News affiliate out in Los Angeles um, talking about a, a news helicopter that was hit by a uh, suspected drone flying twice the legal height, um, which we all know is 400 feet, unless you're within 400 feet of a structure like a radio tower or a building. Um, and uh, so twice the height could be 800 feet or so. And I think it was 1100 feet is what i'd heard uh oh is that what 1100 feet yep. so yeah i'll just kind of paraphrase this here this article by sarah jackson says a news helicopter in california was uh, struck by an unknown object believed to be a drone while in flight uh, yesterday and that was uh, december 5th when this was uh, written uh air 7 hd the helicopter for the los angeles news station kabc also oh, it was the abc station this is the nbc station talking about it kabc tv was flying over downtown los angeles on wednesday night when it was hit by a suspected drone leading the pilot to make an early landing the helicopter's pilot, reporter Chris Christie, uh, not the governor of New Jersey or former governor of New Jersey, I guess, but heard a loud bang when an object struck the helicopter's tail, according to ABC7. Christie and his fellow passenger initially thought the helicopter had struck a bird. Although the helicopter's flying ability had not been compromised by the collision, Christie made a, per- a precautionary landing back on the ground. They realized the drone had most likely hit them. It reportedly damaged the helicopter's horizontal stabilizer and tail rotor, according to a statement from the Federal Aviation Administration um, on Thursday. The collision took place approximately at 1,100 feet above the ground. And the statement, according to the statement, the model aircraft, including drones, are not permitted to fly, as we all know, or should know, above 400 feet. Uh, and uh, they said that's according to a Los Angeles ordinance passed in 2015. But <laughs> eh, the media's got a little bit to learn on some of this stuff as well, too. That's right. Yeah, and uh, they, they they said this could have been a real disaster. What do you guys think? What do you I mean, is this a is this a real problem or is this just you know the the rotten the rotten apple always sort of sort of spoils the whole the whole bunch. I think Who I think take that. I honestly think it's both. So the one of the interesting things I don't think that article talks about is that the, the it's actually a private company that operates that helicopter for the news station. Okay, a company called Helenet. Okay. And they actually, I think that's H-E-L-I-N-E-T. It's a great name. Helenet. Helenet. And they have a, a very large helicopter operation, but they also have a, dr- a drone operation. Oh, do they really? Uh, and they're, uh, my understanding, I don't know a lot about them, but my understanding is that they cater to Hollywood and do a lot of other things as well. And so mm-hmm. they have a very large drone business. And so... W- in, from my perspective, it kind of makes it seem maybe a bit more believable that maybe it was a drone involved, 
just because you know a lot of these events they're they're kind of dramatized in the in the headlines and you know oh my gosh drones are going to kill everybody and that, that kind of stuff and then it comes out that oh it was just like a shopping a plastic bag flying through there or like in Gatwick nobody ever actually proved that there was really a drone there or anything and you know and you that's see interesting to note because I think if you ask somebody in the public they were like oh yeah there was drones at Gatwick or or I heard something about something happening over in the UK and there was a drone right. Yeah, but there's never been, I mean, it's for such a huge event, uh, there was never any video or photos or it's just, I don't know. Anyway, so there's there's a lot of people have questions about about that. And you hear about other events that, you know, oh, the nose cone of this plane, you know, was hit by a drone. And then it come, turns out that it was just a structural failure of the, the, the radar nose cone, the nose cone that goes over the radar, things right. like that. And so... I guess from my perspective, them being a, a large drone company that's operating this this helicopter service as well makes you kind of think that oh they're they're probably going to be a little bit more measured in their their you know comments and and pointing the finger at it being a drone. Now you know who's to say if it was a drone it wasn't a drone. I don't think they've found any proof as far as I'm aware that what it was. I think the NTSB is is still investigating. Mm-hmm. You know I'm sure they're doing you know, DNA swabs to see if there's any, you know, feathers or any, any, you know, any evidence, evidence of it being a bird strike. If you see the pictures, it didn't really look like it would be a bird strike. It doesn't look anything like a bird strike. In my opinion, it looks like a very hard object. It's actually a, so you're leaning towards it being a drone from what you've read. uh, It seems like it, there's a good chance of it from my perspective. I obviously don't know. I'm reading stuff off the internet like everybody else. So (laughs) yeah, look at the photo I've seen pictures and, and have seen bird strikes in person and that doesn't look like a bird strike doesn't look anything like a bird strike it, and it hit the the horizontal stabilizer and then it looks like it actually ricocheted off there and then hit the the tail rotor uh-huh. which is actually one of the things that a lot of people have really expressed a lot of concern about because if you if your tail rotor gets damaged uh you just start you know, spiraling out of control in a helicopter because that's what keeps you, gives you uh, the yaw stabilization Mm -hmm. uh, is that tail rotor. And so if you lose that, then, I mean, that's disastrous. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the fact that it, you know, that there was something happened here, there was some damage, but it wasn't catastrophic. I mean, you know, is, I guess, a good thing. I mean, obviously it's a good thing because nobody was hurt. They landed safely. Uh, they didn't even have to declare any sort of emergency or anything like that. They heard something, they felt something, but it continued to operate appropriately. So that's good. You know, everybody's, you know, a lot of the media makes it sound like, you know, before this makes it sound like, oh, there's a drone strike. It's If it hits anything, it's just automatically going to destroy everything. And so, you know, it, it kind of goes to show that aviation, general aviation is built pretty resilient. I mean, they're they're pretty strong and they can take some pretty – pretty uh you know tough not hits, desirable. but it's obviously not desirable but um you know and, and it could have been much worse if it had gone through the windshield or you know the, a lot of other things if it had gone somehow into the motor or you know the intakes for the engines or something right. like that you just don't know what would happen but you know i think it's 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 good that that nothing serious did happen out of it and hopefully you're not def- no i'm not def- you're not defending the guy no in in absolutely no way i i just talking about the, you know, the actual drone strike and what actually happened. Now, should he have been there? 
absolutely not uh you know because 1100 feet above ground is did it is, say what time of day it was I don't uh, know. it was in the dark as well so uh, that's that's another double, thing double, right double negative. so uh uh you know they obviously didn't have any strobes on because you know they they didn't see anything before right. then and and uh you know i think all of us have flown at night you can see those strobes from right. three Absolutely. plus miles away they're they're pretty visible so yep. you know if it was a drone they they obviously were someplace they shouldn't have been it was unsafe and I've read that a lot of the, uh, and I've seen on Instagram and I've seen all over the internet, all kinds of really cool pictures of downtown Los Angeles at night, um, you know, which are fantastic, but it's completely not safe as we've seen here. Yeah, exactly. So what, how does this, how does law enforcement view this, Steve? Well, you know, I'd, I'd say you've got a couple points here. One, going back to David's point about hard object striking that aircraft, the leading edge of that wing has been punctured by yeah. a portion of whatever hit it assuming it was a drone uh, you know there could be some damage to the inside of that horizontal stabilizer to some of the structure inside there uh, 1100 feet above the ground is pretty uh, dramatic That's uh, way up there. you know, there's a reason why we're limited to 400 feet you've got that 100 feet buffer zone yeah. during the daytime but even more of that at nighttime right right, right. Um, the uh, obviously the drone operator has a duty to yield the right of way to manned aircraft, which didn't happen in this case here. Oh, that's right. So three things, right? Okay. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> triple the helicopter pilot is less likely to be able to see that drone than the drone operator is to be able to see the the, the helicopter flying. Absolutely. So uh, right. So yeah, there, that obviously that's a problem that could have been a lot worse had it come through. Uh, the windscreen hit the hit the pilot or co-pilot could have really caused some some serious damage or might have even brought the aircraft down. Fortunately, that did not happen. And but, then, uh, then the oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I think the would think the FAA. It looks like the NTSB was you know, notified on this, according to the NBC story here. I would imagine FAA will be investigating. It's pretty hard to recover any portion of the yeah. aircraft that they can, the portion yeah, of the drone, to uh, try to identify the operator. And I think that the, that they did do a ground search in the in the rough area, but I mean, you, right? You know, you're you're 1,100 feet up, and objects moving that fast, and you know, I'm sure it just destroyed the drone and put sure. it in pretty small pieces but. is it even worth i mean saying to amos that that something like this a, a helicopter getting hit and falling out of the sky i mean i, I mean it almost seems like a dumb question but what, what, i mean what are we looking at there i mean that's yeah but you don't again, want helicopters flying out of the sky especially over like a city like los angeles right but again on these types of things too as uh public safety, police fire as we're, as we're getting into this drone thing all mm. these types of incidents are going to help us base what we do because you're always going to have these people that's going mm -hmm. to break the rules. As you yep. talked about, they didn't see the drone coming. If he had strobes on, they probably would have seen if he had strobes on, he probably wouldn't have been flying at 400 feet or 1100 feet. 1100 yeah. feet yeah. So, so these types of people are always going to be out there. And this is where we have to try to, again, combat these types of folks and making sure that law enforcement are on top of them and how do we do it? So that's going to be the next question. How do we control these types of people that's going to, hinder us from doing our job with the new drone stuff so and, and then and, and, and as you said something i think related to we were talking about the the episode uh, a couple weeks or i think it was last week or a couple weeks ago about river fest which is the big river celebration in, Ohio, in cincinnati you know i said this must be a nightmare and, and you said it only takes one person and with the drone like we're all at this table here and we know lots of other people that do this completely by the book understand that not doing it by the book isn't just like um, it's not just a big brother trying to watch over you. It's actually there's very good reasons why these rules are in a place so that, that everybody can operate in the airspace safely. Yeah, this is a takes perfect one, example of that. Just, just takes one person, right? Yeah, it does. And and I mean, in this case, we're lucky that the the helicopter didn't have to declare an emergency and come down. But 
obviously there was debris falling down, right? I mean, oh gosh, falling from eleven hundred feet, you got a Phantom Three which weighs several pounds. Sure. Uh, so you know, who's to say where where it was where it landed, right? It, um, that carcass had to land somewhere of the, of that drone, right? So mm-hmm. you know, depending on where they're operating, what right? Were they operating over people? Were they operating over a street? Were they um, you know, who, who's to say, and then, um, you know, the other thing is visual line of sight, right? If it's 1100 feet up and you get any distance at all away from it, were they able to, um, actually see it? Right. So we, we taught, there's multiple different fa- uh, failures. 1100 feet without a strobe to assist the operator with line yeah, of sight is, it's, that's a dicey thing at night. So yeah, there's so, no way they could see that. So Katie, I'm curious. And she's like, <laughs> come on. What do you hear out there is being done to curb this sort of thing? What can be done to stop the rogue operator? What what can? Okay, so there's. And Katie might be the most experienced drone person sitting at this table. I don't know. And unfortunately, that. maybe <laughs> the shyest as well. I don't too. know about that. <laughs> um, so I know that uh, I've heard that uh, remote ID is coming, yep. mm-hmm. um, which will help yeah. us to identify not just. Can you say what, what that is? Like, it's like, I mean, people call it like the license plate of drones kind of thing. But. Right. So it's my understanding that it, it's going to be like uh, you can hold your phone up, you know, to the sky to see the constellations and it shows you what, what you're actually looking at. So it's going to be similar where you can, um, you know, point your phone at an aircraft and it will tell you what it is, what kind of aircraft, um, what the license number of that aircraft is, that's the, the registration number. Mm. And then it will also tell you the location of where that controller is. Right. And so that will, and it's something that will be, I believe available to just any, you know, anybody can access that, uh-huh. uh, but it will certainly help law enforcement, uh, public safety. If there's, you know, in this case with the helicopter, maybe someone had spotted that ahead of time uh-huh. and said, Hey, I, I see something up there. This is where the, controller is mm-hmm. law enforcement could go intercept maybe avoid these kinds of incidents right yeah and and uh dji recently did a uh, a demonstration of exactly what katie's talking about they made an app and it actually got some headlines as well about it because uh the idea was that anybody could download an app and they haven't made it publicly available it's just a demonstration but this technology already exists in dji's drones in terms yeah. of uh publishing that telemetry data and, and stuff, it's already in the signals that are already there. You can turn it off and, though, right? Uh, I don't think so. Not anymore. I mean, for a while no. it said you could turn off remote ID or. or D- DJI has a system they will sell to large venues yeah. like stadiums Air, and things. Aeroscope. Air, uh, Aeroscope, yeah. right. So uh, that'll identify the drone location, the drone operator's Anybody location. around here have one? Do you know? Not to my knowledge. No, I mean, we yeah, looked into sure. them at Mobilecom and. Um, they're kind of pricey, and they were – the guy who was – I mean – They're very pricey. Should, they're very pricey. Apparently, they work pretty well. They work really well, yeah. Yeah, and then – um, and they're they're selling like hotcakes because the guy who was selling them um, through DJI, he was hard to get a hold of after I talked. Got him one time, and it was like trying to win the contest line at, yeah. the, at, the, at the radio station after that. <laughs> like, phone's always busy. For, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're not the right color. Click. <laughs> yeah, and this technology demonstration that DJI did, I think is piggybacking on that. In that case, Aeroscope is, is a, a, a physical device that you have to buy that has mm-hmm. large antennas on it, and it can uh, catch stuff from – you know, like three to five miles away or something like that. The the demonstration that 
DJI did just recently with the app was I think you had to be like within half a mile of it or a much shorter distance, but it was something that anybody could have. You didn't have to have a specialized device that cost tens of thousands of dollars. You could just download an app and be able to see any drones that were within half a mile of you. And there's, there's some public, who, who made there, that? I'm sorry. DJI. Oh, okay. Oh, they, with the aeroscope. Both. Oh, okay. So they have the the aeroscope device. At, I was looking at the the board here for a second. I yeah, they have it. the aeroscope aeroscope device, which is, costs tens of thousands of dollars uh-huh. that you can buy, which comes in oh, a, I think it was a like case. Five thousand dollars. Yes, that's exactly what it was. It's like this size. I think yeah, they, they have they have they have a couple different versions oh, of it. They have okay. like a suitcase size version, then they have like a permanent, like you, you would mount it like an airport or something like that up on a pole, which is lots more money. I, I didn't think it was only five thousand for the for the smaller one, but you're probably right. You would know better than I do about the pricing. Okay. Yeah. But they also made the app an app, and it was just they they haven't publicly made it available. It's just a demonstration. But the idea is that anybody could download the app, and it, and it's piggy piggybacking. And the reason I think they made it was they they wanted to show the public what the FAA is really trying to uh, put into into their rules eventually. So. Uh, the idea is that anybody can see it, right? You don't have to buy a multi-thousand dollar device like Aeroscope. Anybody can see it. Just like, you know, anybody can see license plates on cars driving around, right? right. The idea is that anybody can see, you know, what that drone is that's right there. You Let know, me interrupt you there. We'll, we'll do our little break, and then we'll come back and talk more about this because it seems like there's a lot more to be said. Uh, you listen to the Public Safety Drone Podcast, and we'll be right back after this short commercial break. Getting hands-on drone training should not be hard. With Mobilecom, it's easy. Partnered with Skyop, a national leader in drone training, Mobilecom offers in-person drone instructor-led classroom instructions at our facility or yours. Courses include hands-on training, so your staff is trained not only in the knowledge behind the drones, but flying one making your drone program exceptional and, most importantly, safer. Mobilecom chooses Skyop because teaching pilots how to fly safely and following regulations is all they do. Skyop develops top-notch drone training, nothing else. Their curriculum and Mobilecom's Skyop certified instructors give your drone pilots the background knowledge and hands-on training not provided anywhere else by people who only do drone training. Whether you need to pass your Part 107, get recurrent on your existing Part 107, starting a drone program from scratch, or need to know how to utilize drone software like PIX4D, Mobilecom has you covered. For more information, call 877-447-8433 or visit mobilecom.com forward slash UAS. Again, mobilecom, M-O-B-I-L-C-O-M-M dot com forward slash U-A-S. That's 877-447-8433. Mobilecom, for the best, most comprehensive drone training anywhere. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who could be, please contact the Public Safety Drone Podcast producer at UAS at mobilecom.com. That's UAS at M-O-B-I-L-C-O-M-M dot com or call 877-447-8433. All right, welcome back to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. I'm Joe Wessels here at uh, the Blue Ash Police Department. I don't think we said that before. We're recording again in Blue Ash, uh, which is uh, northeast of downtown Cincinnati. It's just uh, kind of a mid-ring suburb, I guess, of Cincinnati, and we're at the... uh, Police Department, courtesy of Lieutenant Steve Schuler, who's uh, one of our co-hosts here. Thanks, Steve, for being part of this. And then, uh, back. yeah, Chief, Chief Amos Johnson from the Woodlawn Fire Hello. Department. And Katie Theo. Oh, dang it, I said it. Thielmeyer. 
I've been I've known Katie now at least a year or so maybe, and I've been saying at her least. name wrong the whole time, and then I realized that sorry, Katie Thielmeyer is a firefighter with the Woodlawn Fire Department, but much more than that, she's like a drone expert, guys. It's, she's we're glad she's here. She we wanted her to come every time, but she's busy, so we'll try to get her more times than than, uh, than not. <laughs> and David Glenn, who is uh, known as Kluge on YouTube, go check out his YouTube channel. It's got lots of uh, subscribers and lots and lots of good videos and uh, new ones and new ones coming. Right, David? New ones coming. Great. Very good. Maybe even video of this. Maybe even. Well, maybe even. We'll see. We'll see, right? But Hopefully soon. You can see what we look like. We're going to take pictures after this today, and we'll put some pictures up on uh, on the web so we can see oh. what everybody looks like, including Katie Thielmeyer as well, too. So, yeah, good. So uh, we got a few minutes left. we got about nine nine minutes left or so. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, more about the um, – we're talking about the aeroscope. Um, I, I When you are saying that, I was thinking about some of the um, – and I know we want to talk about what happened in Las Vegas, and and that's kind of making sort of some uh, the rounds in the drone news circles now about what happened with that guy. And we should talk about that. But then the drone detection with DJI Aeroscope, there are a lot of companies out there who are drone, doing drone detection, and I looked heavily at that because we have like this, you know, at Mobilecom we have this, you know, we're doing the drone side and the training, but then there's also people that want to know who's flying in their in their airspace. I have yet to find one except for the DJI Aeroscope, which right now can only do DJI products. Yeah. Which but, is like 70%. Yeah, 70, 70 plus percent. 70 plus percent <laughs> of the market, which is great. <laughs> yeah. But um, um, the other ones that are out there don't really seem to have any kind of way to truly detect drones. So we didn't go with any of them. We, you know, and I, I, I hate to hear some of the people that, I mean, I like personally the people that were doing it, but they couldn't quite deliver on every drone. And how can we say, well, this will get, you know, 60% of the drones, 70% of the time. I mean, you know, cause it only takes is I'm going to keep quoting you on that one. It's like, it only takes one person to screw it all yeah. up for everybody, you know? Um, but, uh, we had some interesting conversations with people and people are definitely interested in this technology, but it's just not there yet for a hundred percent. You know, it's not reliable enough. So, yeah. And it'll, it'll never be a hundred percent because there's so much technology out there that already exists. I mean, all the FPV stuff, you know that doesn't have that that just uses analog signals and things like that is going to be a bit bit difficult. But uh, you know the cat's out of the bag a little bit. But DJI has been dil- building in their uh, the technology that that Aeroscope uses for several generations of their of their drones. So that's that's uh, a good thing. Now the, the part of what we're talking about here is part of the reason why the FAA wants to implement remote ID. You know, for the same reasons that you know, there's a there's a rule that you have to uh, have license plate on a car. You know, so that uh, when a, a car goes speeding away from a bank that just got robbed, you know, you can try and identify it instead of just you know a red red sedan or whatever. Maybe somebody gets the an eye on the the actual license plate, right? So the idea is very similar for remote ID. Uh, you know, that you have a license plate in the air, but it's more a virtual one because you obviously can't really see. You know the registration tag that's on on the drone up there, but it gives a digital one, uh, you know, via its signal. And so the FA is trying to implement, or is looking to implement new rules around this to to make it more standardized, so that other manufacturers, right, the Skydios, the Autels, the Parrots, you know, all the others that are that are kind of mainstream, have to follow these rules. You know, if they're going to manufacture manufacture a drone and fly it in the U.S., well, it's going to have to have the ability to to you know have the remote ID. Uh, implemented in it. So I think that uh, my understanding is that the FAA is uh, planning to put out an N- NPRM, 
uh, which is their notice of proposed rulemaking. Is that right, Katie? I think that sounds right. Um, That's correct. Uh, I think right. later this month in December t- 2019 is my understanding that they're putting out their proposed rules for that, and then they'll be opening that up for public comment, and then you know the whole process begins at that point you know once they publish what the rules are i don't think we know for sure what those rules are going to be i think it's similar to what katie had mentioned in terms of uh because there's kind of two competing thoughts on this one is the license plate approach which is you know you're local you can see it kind of like you know with cars right you have to be physically close to it to be able to see it the idea is for uh, kind of the, the similar kind of capability for drones. You have to be in the vicinity of it to be able to see it, right? The other competing uh, technology is network-based remote ID. And the idea is that you basically have to have a network connection by cellular or Wi-Fi or something like that, broadcasting back to a central location, like a central database that's tracking it so the law enforcement can can plug into that and be able to, to access it. But, you know, there's privacy concerns around that, you know, there's competition concerns around that. Who's going to control that database? Who's going to have access to that database? All that kind of stuff. And, and you know, are you tracking people all across the country? You know, every time I go for a flight, you know, somebody's going to know where I'm flying it, when I'm flying it, what, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, so there's even bigger brother concerns around that one as opposed to the kind of the license license plate. And I'm doing the air quotes around the license plate. We'll see that version. on the video. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> What's interesting because FAA has a system, similar system in place with uh, or manned aircraft right now. So it was designed ADSB, Automatic Dependent Surveillance Broadcast, was designed to yep. replace primary radar as the means of identifying aircraft in the air. Right. And also you can identify aircraft that are outside the range of radars at airports or you know primary radars uh, like the one up in London, Ohio. So uh, you know for a, a fairly nominal cost. Your aircraft has to be outfitted by January 1st, I think, 2020, either on, nine. I think it's 978 megahertz or 1090 megahertz. And uh, so most commercial aircraft are on 1090, small Cessna 172s and things are on, nine. I think it's 978. Mm-hmm. So, um, but if you have a receiver at your home, you can pick that up. I've got one at my house that has okay. an antenna on the roof. It feeds FlightAware. Oh, so, you, uh, oh, you did that. I do, okay. yeah. yeah. So I've got cool. a FlightAware feeder. Thank you for that, by runs the way. on a Raspberry Pi, right? So uh, <laughs> yeah, with that, it feeds all the data you see on your phone yeah, from right. FlightAware. And some folks have FlightRadar24, which is yep. you can you know point that toward the sky and see a manned aircraft and things there. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so it's interesting because they sell transceivers that uh, will work on drones. Yeah. For around the $2,000 range. Uh, yep. But what's even more interesting, when you receive a waiver from FAA, like a night waiver or a you know, daylight waiver to fly at night, it specifically says you're prohibited from mounting one of those on there. So I think oh, there, does it really? there's some concern yeah. about overloading the ADSB system. Right. So yep. uh, I think if they dumped, you know, how many drones are active in the U.S., it's, well, you know, it's in the tens of millions. So if you but all of a sudden dump those into be, the system. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking, how, like, how many <laughs> drones would be particularly active in a smaller area that that would cause that much of a problem. Are there really, I mean, people, maybe they're predicting the future or, or, or taking a guess in the future. There's going to be so many drones flying around that. Well, I think that's part of the system, maybe overloading. And the other one is the FAA has so many tower sites around the country that receive that data uh, from ADSB. However, those are from aircraft that are flying at, you know, tens of thousands of feet where obviously they've got a lot more coverage down where if you're flying a drone at 400 feet, you're probably not going to hit an antenna. You're going to hit somebody's private receiver, like mine at home, but you're not going to hit the FAA. So it's kind of maybe it, you get, it gives you a false sense of security that folks are going to be able to see you on an ADSB display. Yeah, those are cool. And, it, it, and people for um, 
mean, we're going to talk about the Raspberry Pi and the ADSB. I built one of those as well, too, just a receiver. I didn't, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't hook it up to anything with the Raspberry Pi. I did it for like a hundred dollars. Oh, you yeah. can Google it. Sure. There's like a recipe online to follow exactly how to do it. Right. And, um, it's pretty cool. And it actually, I used it uh, when I was flying a radio tower from Mobilecom over at Mount St. Joe's, one of the Hamilton County uh, communication towers. And they were having a radar link problem with the another Hamilton County tower that was actually across the river in Kentucky. And I went over there to, to scope it out before I flew. This was like three years ago. And it was both towers literally were lined up with both of the runways at CVG. I mm. forget which runway it was but one was like if you drew a line with google maps it went right over that runway and then go over the other one at mount st joe and it lined up perfectly with that and went through cvg to get permission and took like a week but the guy called me because oh, i hear you're trying to get a hold of me and i said <laughs> yeah you know and he goes what are you gonna be flying like you know two thousand three thousand feet and i said no the tower's only 250 feet tall but i'm right Oh heck, go ahead. I don't care. <laughs> he said, Easy enough. He said, "What are you gonna be doing?" And I said, "Oh, probably uh, I'll do it like a, you know, a couple of days in the afternoon." All right, that's fine. That's great. Thanks for letting me know. But if, you know, and I told him I said I have an ADSB and I can see that the the planes are flying right over. And he goes, "Oh, well, where are they?" I said, "Well, they're at that point they're about two thousand feet and they're about a quarter. They're about maybe uh, what was it? I think like two hundred yards." To the east of me, and he's like, "Oh, you're fine." Plenty of separation. Plenty of separation. He goes, "Yeah." I said, "I can see him," but that's how I figured it out because I said, "Oh, yeah." I I built myself a little ADSB and could see exactly where they were. And he's like, "Oh, that's cool." (laughs) Yeah, I use I use uh, Flight Radar 24 all the time. Right. I use that when we're flying. You know, it's on my phone here. I can what's what altitude is that plane at? You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And speaking of ADSB, DJI has already implemented ADSB receiver, not transmitter, into the uh, Mavic 2 Enterprise. Mm Version and they've also committed to for any drones that they release starting in 2020 uh, that anything over 250 grams, so not the Mavic Mini, okay, uh, will have ADSB receiver as well. Nice. And they're calling it AirSense, I think. Is what that's they, right. Yeah, that's yes, the brand name for it. Brand name, but it's just ADSB receive that's only. Right. I'll yeah. pick on that a little bit and say ADS it won't give you the altitude of the planes that it receives, which is somewhat frustrating. If yeah. somebody has figured that oh, one out, right. please yeah. let me know. So. Oh yeah, it's only distance, right? That's right. Right. So it doesn't say how so, how. High so we'll get it. We'll get a warning. You know, hey, you've got an aircraft nearby. You know, you should land immediately. And I look up, and it's at least fifteen thousand feet up, so it's yeah. probably not a factor for us. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can. It's like a little speck, you know, right. flying yeah. over the, flying over exactly. Well, um, I think we have like ten seconds left. Awesome. Say goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode of the Public Safety Drone Podcast. Uh, uh, thanks again to Lieutenant Steve Schuler. Oh yeah, we're official. I didn't. I thought I turned that off. It beeped. It's <laughs> over. That's our little timer. Uh, thanks to Lieutenant Steve Schuler, the Blue Ash Police Department. Thanks for letting us use the uh, facilities here Glad today. To have you back, uh, Chief Amos Johnson from Woodlawn, waving to the camera too, and Katie Teelmeyer from Woodlawn, and David go. Glenn uh, Kluge fame on YouTube. I'm Joe Wessels from Mobilecom. I L C O M M dot com or call eight seven seven four four seven eight four three three. Also, feel free to leave us a comment or feedback using the same methods. Special thanks to our music contributors mentioned during the show. All music used with permission. Please rate us on and subscribe to our show on iTunes. Your rating and reviews do help others find the show. If iTunes isn't your thing, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, a tin can and a string just about anywhere else you can or can't find podcasts we'll see you next time on the public safety drone podcast sponsored by mobilecom visit mobilecom.com forward slash uas for more information on drone training happening in your area or for all your drone product needs or call 877-447-8433 thank you for listening and fly safe